Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship, a mission of faith, and I'm joined today by Tom DeAngelis and Tom Fertile. How are you guys doing? All right. Come Great. On, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Uh, good to be here. And uh, for those of you who are our regulars, David is not with us today, so our uh, thoughts and prayers are with you, brother. Um, so why don't we get started with a prayer? Tom, would you like to lead us sure. in our opening prayer? This is a prayer from, uh, it's actually from page two of our uh, Stewardship of uh, Prayer book, which you can pick up on our website. It's on page two. It's called Jesus' Prayer for Unity. And it's a uh, passage from John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me, and that you love them, even as you love me. In the name amen. of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Uh, thanks, Tom. So, Tom Fertile, would you like to read the gospel for us, brother? Absolutely, absolutely. So our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's, yeah. that's a tough one, brothers. Oh, man. Well, it's the second week Jesus is beaten up on the chief priests and the elders of the people. And but, I, uh, when, uh, Tom, when you were reading that, I was just, it's just, it's easy to recognize the the faults and, and sins in others. Like right away, they jumped right on it. Like, you know, what would you do? I'll put those wretched people to a wretched yeah. death. Yeah. So they caught the story. 
but didn't realize he was, <laughs> he was talking yeah. about them. Yeah. So, Lord, please, um, you know, this, this docility, let's all, let's all pray for docility that we could be teachable. And uh, when, when God sends people our way with a little truth, with love, that uh, we can accept it and allow, allow our Lord to, to mold us and, and fashion us and change us to, to be the, the sons, to his sons that he's calling us to be. You know, as a stewardship, you know, organization uh, or an institution, you know, based on stewardship, I think about, you know, the, the, when the, uh, the, the landowner went away, he entrusted, you know, the vineyard uh, to others. He, he, he gave them, you know, great things, a, a great opportunity. And um, what did they do with it? And that's the question for all of us in our lives. You know, we've been given the gift of life. We've been given the gift of our family. We've been given our, our time, our talent, our treasure. And it, it, it begs the question, you know, what are we doing with it? You know, um, and it's a common theme, I think, in a couple passages. You know, what, what, what do we do with the gifts, the talents that we're given? In this case, how are we stewarding um, what, what's been given to us? And um, it's a pretty, uh, again, a between, uh, a between the eyes, you know, two by four yeah. on, uh, you know, the, the, the consequences or the danger of not stewarding what we have properly, um, not being greedy, but, uh, but being, uh, being open and, and sharing with what we have. So definitely a strong message of stewardship, recognizing that what I have is on loan to me uh, from God. And I return it back and I give him honor by, by being a faithful steward of what I've been given. And you know this, and I mentioned earlier. This is the second week Jesus is beaten up on a chief priest and and the elders. But it really comes down to what you said, Rob. It's it's so easy to recognize when Jesus tells the story. Like last week, they knew right away that uh, you know that the son that said yes and didn't go was 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 the wrong. Was the one that didn't do as well, and the one that said no and went did did the father's will. They knew the answer right away, but didn't see the application to them. The same thing this week. Uh, you know, they're looking at the story and they know right away what the right thing is to do, but they don't see the application to their own life and they don't see the the injustice or the um, short-sightedness or the lack of understanding of God's will in their own life. And I think that's a lesson, you know, to all of us. But at the same time, here's something that hit me earlier in the week when we were talking about this. I was talking about this with a group. We happened to be all guys, so we were kind of sharing from the, from the gut. And um, I said, you know, when I was a kid and I first read this, you know, the first thing that, that I thought when you're younger is, well, you know, why would you, you – first of all, you saw what he did to the – you know, what they did to the first bunch that you sent. Then you sent another bunch and it was worse. And then you sent your son? You know, wouldn't you say – that's the last person I would send. But then it hit me when we were talking about it. I said, well, that's the difference between the way the father thinks and the way we think. Instinctively, we know. Don't send. You know, when you're yelling, don't send your son. They're going to do the same thing. But the father, and he does that over and over again with us. And while it doesn't make sense from an earthly perspective and a human perspective, the point that Jesus is making here is: well, the father doesn't think like us. You know, he's he wants us to turn around. He wants to give us every opportunity. He sent the prophets. He sent more prophets, and then he sent his son. And we didn't, you know, we didn't respond the way that good loving sons would respond. And when you hear the story, if you're a chief priest or a Pharisee even, you can see the right answer right away. But we don't see it in our own lives. And how often do we behave like that? You know, Tom, you're talking about what kind of stewards are we of our gifts? I know in my own life, I could be doing a lot better with a lot more of what I have. You know, the father sends his son and what do I do with it? You know, what do I do with him? Hopefully, I treat him a little better than these guys did, but 
You know, sometimes you ignore them. Sometimes you don't pay attention to the message. Sometimes you don't take it to heart. Sometimes you wish it wasn't there. Well, you know, this is this is the error. Uh, come, let us, let's kill him and acquire his inheritance. And I and I think about you know what does that you know what does that mean? They wanted what he had. And I think about you know what does our Lord promise? Um, well, if we if we accept him and follow him faithfully, we will have peace. We will have contentment. We'll have joy. We'll have happiness. Life's not always going to be easy, but we will have those things. And all people want those same things. And yet I think about how many, how many, how easy it is in our society and our culture, how we have killed Christ. We want what he has, but we kill him. We erase him from our, from our lives, from our society, from our, from our institutions um, in pursuit of those things. And, and we want that joy, that peace, that happiness, but rather than going through Christ to get it, we've killed him and we seek it in other ways. So how many people want happiness? They want joy, but they pursue it through the pursuit of money or pr- promiscuity or power. Um, and so we eliminate the, 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 the heir, we eliminate the son, um, we try to get what he offers, but we go about it the wrong way. And then, the, of course, the irony goes back to what you said, Tom, our, our God of dichotomy, is in the end, when we pursue it our own way after killing Christ— we don't end up peaceful. We don't end up joyful. We don't end up content. All those worldly things bring us bitterness. They bring us pain. We become envious. And so, again, we rather than accepting Christ and then accepting what he gives us, we kill him. Our society, our world has killed him, and we go about other, other ways to try to get what he offers. But we don't want it his way because we want it our way. Mm. And in the mm-hmm. end, we don't get what we, what we could have had freely given to us through Christ. Right. And, then, and then who are we, who are we so quick to blame when it doesn't go well? Yeah. God, right? right? So we, we don't invite him. And like you're saying, you know, not only do we not invite him, but we intentionally erase, eliminate. And then when things don't go so well, where, where's God? Mm-hmm. You know, so he's the first to get blamed and the last to be thanked, mm-hmm. right? When things go well, then it's, you know, pat on my own back and, you know, my ingenuity, my hard work, my effort, whatever. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge, Tom, what you just presented to us, that where do we, where in our lives, and even for those of us who are trying to follow, we might have killed Christ in, in a, a little corner of our life, or a little aspect, a little, right, where have we killed him? Where have we kicked him out? And, uh, and then I guess the, the, you know, the, the temperature check is, in that aspect of life, is there joy? Is there peace? And, and the accompanying reading, in the second reading, talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the second reading, we're going to hear about that. And that's, that's the abundant life. When Jesus said to us in, in John's gospel, I came so that you would have life and have it abundantly. It's not abundance of what you said earlier, Tom, of, of money, of you know, relationships, of power, of position. It's an abundance of that which no one can take. Only God can give and no one can take, no matter what happens on the natural level. The abundant life that God wants to give us endures through losing everything that the world says is important. You can still have an abundant life in joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, gentleness. It's beautiful. You know, and in my life, Rob, you know, I just share that 
whatever I'm struggling with the most, whatever is the most stress or most concern of my life or whatever, is, is the area I know for a fact for me, it's the area that I pushed Christ out of the most. You know, so it's the exact things that are causing us the most difficulty that, you know, we, we need to reflect and go, have I involved the Lord in, this, in, in, in what's going on? And I think most times that we come back and find that, that it's, it's, it's true. It's where we cut him out. You know, so other areas, it's like, yeah, no big deal. I'll, this is, you know, God, I offer this to you or I ask your intervention here. But if there's something else that I'm kind of holding on to and I'm wrestling with or I'm struggling with or I'm wallowing in, it's because, again, in that regard, I've, I've killed him. I've taken him out of this. And I, I'm going to, and I'll handle this myself. You know, it was David always saying, I'll take care of this myself. I got this covered. Yeah. Um, and if there's an area in our lives that we're really struggling with, that's the time when we have to turn the most to Christ. You know, the time when I most don't want to get down on my knees and pray mm. is the time when I absolutely should be getting down yeah. on my knees and pray. Yeah. You know, uh, think about the, par- the parallels in life of, you know, exercise. I don't want to go to the gym today. I don't I don't, I don't want to go take a walk. You know, it's the moment that you don't want to go take a walk. Get your shoes on, yes. lace them up, and get out there and 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 walk. You know, and you'll yeah. and the and the benefits of that, the fruit will come. Yeah. yeah, so many of the good things in life and the spiritual fruits of life are on the other side of difficulty, adversity, mm-hmm. sacrifice, um, and really, I think a big part of it, and some of it, you know, has to do with the, the way this passage rolls out. But a big part of it is being able to look at all of life as a gift from God, not just the high points or the, you know, the, the good things, but also, you know, how many of us have really experienced death of a family member or, you know, kind of even reflected on our own death and, and said, instead of saying, dreading it and fearing it, saying, thank you, Jesus, you know, that's the, that has now, since the resurrection, has become our gateway to unity, to full, complete bodily and, you know, spiritual unity with God. And yet we still as human beings have this instinct to dread it and fear it. But um, the other thing too, I think is instructive. And I was just thinking about this as both of you, you guys were reflecting. These tenant farmers here don't own anything. And if we put ourselves in their position, we don't really own anything either. And one of the things that really hit me hard at our retreat when Monsignor Esif and Sister Cor were talking about being able to see the world and see others through the eyes of Jesus and with Jesus' senses and his ears and hear with his ears. And, and I thought, if that's the case, you know, then I don't really own my ears. I don't really own my eyes. They belong to Jesus. And in fact, I didn't create them. I don't do that much to take good care of them either, you know, even the the usage of them. But when you think about that, you think everything that we have and everything that we are, and we say this in stewardship all the time, is a gift from God. What am I doing with it? Because at the end, it's not mine anyway. It's been given to me as a gift for to use for other people. And so you, we look at that and we say, these these guys think they own something and they don't. And really, our life really belongs in somebody to to somebody else it belongs in somebody else's hands and so that if any reason puts us in the perspective here of saying what do i owe to the land what do i owe to the owner of my physical body what do i owe to the owner of my mind and my heart and my soul what do i owe back what is he asking he's asking all of us the totality of us to be given to him and then he'll give us himself in return you know so but we hold back because that whole half of life, that whole more than half of life probably, with adversity and difficulty and pain and suffering and all that stuff, we say, we got to get rid of that. You know, it'd be perfect if we just didn't have that. And that right there in smack in the center of that is the face of Christ. Yeah. And as we're talking about, 
you know, everything we're, we've been pondering here, especially about producing fruit, I'm thinking of a poster that we have at Stewardship. It's, uh, we call it the apple poster. It says, it says, God, man can count the seeds in a single apple, but only God can count the apples in a single seed. And as I'm looking at this, the last three words of the gospel is produce its fruit, that, that our Lord says that the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. And the challenge is, how do we go about doing that without being so attached to knowing that fruit was produced from our efforts, right? Mm-hmm. In, 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 the, in, the, in the secular world, if you're in sales, you want to know when you close that deal. Like you, you want to close the deal and you know, you want to yeah. know, you know, Tom, you were in education for 20 years, you want to know how many students are getting A's and, and you know, you want to know the SAT scores or when you were in consulting, you want to know the result of the advice that you give your clients yeah. has produced fruit, right? Mm-hmm. In the spiritual sense, we have to we have to abandon that. And it's going to be cool on the other side, like a, a, a seed that we plant today and someone that we may not even know, just like Monsignor Estef says, you are Jesus. We, we need to be Jesus in the world. So by being Jesus in the world, by the, by the way we live, if people see Jesus in us, we're planting seeds. And a seed planted today that we never know grew and produce fruit, mm-hmm. only God will know. And the other side, it may be traced back. Like, oh, wow, that was that smile that you gave that cashier or that, like, how's your day going to that yeah. person? That was the seed that eventually grew into the, a conversion. Yeah. And that was, that was that little act, right? Yeah. So I think there's a sense of humility here that producing fruit is, you know, God's going to do that, right? God's going to see that. But we need to. He needs us. That's in, in, in the way he did this whole salvation thing. He needs us to be his hands and his feet. Mm-hmm. He needs us to, be, like you're saying, time to be his eyes and his ears. We need to be his words because it's all about the fruit. It's all about his kids. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. Right. And he's relying on us. There's, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. It's us. It's our life. It's how we live, how we talk, how we think, and most importantly, how we pray. I'm, I just wrote down St. Therese. We just celebrated her feast day on, on October 1st, and she wanted to be a missionary. She wanted to go out overseas. She never left the Carmel, right? And then God revealed to her, it's not about your, your mission is love. So she was a, she, her love was her mission, and she did it through prayer and through sacrifice. Now she's a doctor of the church, right? There's only, what, 33 of them? Yeah. Give or take, right? And she was only 24 when she, yeah. when she died. And yeah. she never left. And she just prayed yeah. and fasted and, and lived love right. in there. You know, when, the, when the nuns who were the most annoying to her, she, she just loved them. She, yeah. she took it. She didn't complain, and she loved them back. So how much fruit did she produce? She never knew. Yeah. Right. I mean, she was producing fruit all over the world by her prayers and her sacrifices. Right. So for us, especially as men, um, probably one of the hardest things to do is to embrace silence. Yeah. That we need to, out of humility, intentionally, because we're not going to trip in and fall into silence. It's not just going to happen. Oh, wow, that right. was a nice silent moment. No, we have to intentionally yeah. carve it out, plan it, and be committed to it so we can hear God's voice. Right. right? We want to hear everyone else's voice, everyone else's opinion. But let's take everything to the Father first and then yeah. sit in silence and wait. 
right? Wait for his voice to speak to our hearts. So well, it's that trust. It's that surrender. You know, it's, it's, um, and that not knowing the fruit, you know, it's, it goes, it's gospel math. You know, it's like, we can't calculate, we can't, um, project, you know, o- only our Lord can somehow take, you know, a few fishes and loaves and feed the masses. You know, only God can take that, you know, the widow's might and, and turn that into a great offering. You know, we, we don't, um, we, you know, we tithe and we sacrifice and yet we're blessed because of that, you know, in, in giving you, you receive, you know, we can't, our minds can't can't grasp that. We can't think that through. We can't put that on a spreadsheet or on a, on a, on a flowchart. You know, it's, it's gospel math. You know, give, give back to God what we can. Do what we can. Sow those seeds as we can. And he can take that single seed and, and, and produce, you know, boatloads of fruit that we'll never know. And, but the difficult thing is, you know, in our day and age, we want to know everything. We want the answers. We want the data. We want the facts. We want to see the results. And uh, so that surrender and that sacrifice and that not knowing, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a worldly thing. But, um, it's it's trust, it's sacrifice, it's surrender, and it's 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 gospel math. Realizing that uh, God can take the the smallest act, the smallest action, the smallest thing, and multiply it and do great things. And you know, I, I might I might want to be a missionary all over the world, but if God's plan is that you're going to be you know in in closed quarters praying for a couple years, and the grace that will come from that will be greater than anything you could have done on your own. That's gospel math. That's like uh, fuzzy logic, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's actually a principle i mean that's a field of logic that they use in artificial intelligence but uh, but that's a good way to think about it because there is a there is a logic to it and there's a consistency to it it just isn't what we normally associate with logic or consistency you know that god is consistently loving he's consistently giving he's consistently rewarding us it doesn't always happen when we expect it to and the way we expect it to but it always does happen you know so he's dependable he's faithful he's all those things and if we're honest, you know, and, you know, the one thing that, again, we talk about, you know, being Jesus for other people and, and have, turning our senses over to, to Jesus and all that business, we have to look at, you know, the fact that we wake up in the morning, the fact that we can put our feet on the, on the floor, the fact that we, that we have ground to walk on, that we have everything is, is, is and, it's, and it's always there is the consistency of God. And I think that's one of the things that hit me a few weeks ago. It just came into my head that Jesus said, you know, um, I, everything I do is I do only what, what I see the Father doing. And I thought, I thought, well, you know, we always have this idea that Jesus has this back door to the Father. He kind of knows the Father's brain, the Father's mind. But I think he knew the Father's mind the way we can know the Father's mind is just look at the world around us. The sun comes up every day. There's, there, you know, things happen. The seasons happen. There's a consistency. There's a faithfulness. There's a logic. There's food. You know, food grows. It's... You know, before people knew how to plant crops, there was food. They had something to live on. There was a provision. There was a providence there that that happens. And so there is – if we just look at reality, there is a providence there. There is a, there is a, a, a consistency, a faithfulness, a, a trust, something that can be trusted, you know. And and when you really think about it, we don't really have any choice but to trust it. Like it's it's there. It is here. We are. We've been put in this world, and so the the logic that you're talking about, Tom, that we get a little bit more clearly from Jesus, is really something that we have to look at more carefully because it's really what puts us in touch with with God. It's those it's it's those insights that we have that help us connect a little bit more deeply, like with Monsignor Esif saying, you are Christ for other people. You are Jesus. He's very blunt about it. It took me two years to figure out what he meant by that, you know, two, two years of retreats. 
and time once in a while god will will give you a kiss and uh, i received one of those I'd just like to share share with you guys uh, just this past week it's from a student at one of the high schools that we visit visit and i mean i won't mention the school or the or the name but it's a a student that we had visits with when when they were a freshman and now the student is a senior and uh, she says, hi, my name is, I'm from X school. She said, I remember meeting you my freshman year. This week you had, you held a prayer service in the chapel. I really took to heart what you were saying about silence. I have a question I've been thinking about for quite some time, but I never really knew how to ask it. When we pray, we've always been taught to do God's will, but how do we know what it is? Praying isn't the same as talking to a friend where we hear their voice instantly. How do we talk to God when we can't hear him? I want to have a closer relationship with God because I feel like it hasn't been as strong as it should be, but I'm not sure how to get there. Thank you for taking the time to read this email. It means so much to me, and I hope to see you again soon. Right, so mm-hmm. met freshman year, haven't been there. You know, We just got plugged back in this year, so a seed was planted, and, and another seed was planted now, and, and she's ready all right so it's nothing that we do it's just being faithful to god's call like if he's saying like to you tom you're you're working with teachers a lot now go just just do what i'm asking you to do now be faithful to that for me going into schools just go and share my love share my love just to remind them that's what we did this the, all these first visits of this school year was just leading up to showing them or letting them listen to a clip from a movie where it was a guy who was Jesus. No one knew it was Jesus until the end. And he's in with the Pope. And he diagnoses the problem that, you know, the world has become so angry, such an angry place. There's not enough love. There's an emptiness in people's hearts that can only be filled by me. They're trying to fill it with everything in the world. And then the Pope says, oh, it's so overwhelming. What should I do? And, and Jesus, once now he realized it was him, he just said, remind them that I love them, that I died for them. Let them know that my love is real. And if they allow me, I will fill their heart. I will fill that emptiness so that they can love each other. Isn't that a beautiful reminder that we need every day? Yeah. All right, God loves you. He yeah. loves you. He died for you. His love is real. He wants a real relationship with you. And if we let him open up a little crack in our hearts, he will fill that so we can love each other rightly. I mean, we've been, there's been people problems since people have been on the earth. And we've been yeah. trying to solve people problems with people solutions. Like the divine solution is we need to be filled first yeah. with his love and then we can love rightly. Well, and, and even at the beginning of the prayer that we, we had at the beginning uh, from, you know, Jesus' prayer for unity, he says at the very beginning, I pray not only for them, but for those who will believe in me because of them. So he prayed for us. And, you know, it's, so that message is, is very powerful, especially when you think Jesus prayed for us. He prayed for me. He didn't know me. Well, he did know me, but he didn't, you know, he, he, but, but we're, his, we're in his hands. We're in his love. We're, you know, that's the most important thing for us. So, Amen. So for those listening, just know that God called you here right now just for you to hear him say, I love you. God bless you and have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. 
If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.